This, 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 this is mythical. Welcome to Best Friends Back All Right, the show where two high school best friends try the best friend thing again. I'm Stevie Wynn Levine. And I'm Nagin Homoyfar. And today, oh boy, do I have a special guest for you all, Nagin, <laughs> especially because you know what? You've been bringing the guests and it's my turn. But before, before all of that, and no spoilers, mm-hmm. even though I'm sure the title includes his name. <laughs> I have heard that you've been doing some reading this morning that you need to tell me about. So please, I see a periodical in your hand. It's a physical. (laughs) It's not even an online article. Please tell me. It's a physical magazine. So I got my university's alumni magazine. I don't know. I don't know how they have my Every episode, you've got to bring it up. Every episode, you've got to bring Harvard up. And here we are. Uh, I'm sorry. I literally did not say the name of the school. I just said I went to one. (laughs) All right. So if you have something you need to work through, that's your problem. Okay. So I was in the back of the magazine, and there's a classified section, okay? Hmm. And in this classified section, there are dating profiles, And I know that dating profiles like in print came before online dating. I know that's been around, but it was fascinating to read like a four to five line dating profile that somebody has written. You said this is the alumni magazine? It's the alumni magazine. So people like from the class of 65, 75, Uh like like old people, older Uh people are writing in this. You know, this woman writes, I enjoy humor, enthusiasm, and creativity. Artist, Mm. psychotherapist, female, 60, seeking the company of a like-minded man. Okay. And she puts her personal email address here, right? Mm -hmm. So these are sweet, sweet things, but they have their like actual email and contacts. At (laughs) AOL.com. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Yeah, you got a lot of Yahoos and AOLs here. And this one I found particularly interesting. Okay. So this person says they are a Cambridge widow, warm witty, ageless, passionate Mm. about the arts. And then she lists the kinds of art and the kinds of artists that she enjoys, which I thought that was a nice detail, right? I guess you can tell a lot about a person based on that. She talks about her heroes. And then she says that she wants to meet a lively and interesting liberal man and puts an age range. You want to guess what that age range Uh, is? How old did you say she is? Ageless. <laughs> oh, she's ageless. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, mystery guest. She's ageless, right? Um, I feel first of all, this woman is sexy as fuck, and I don't yeah. even know the artist that she's yeah. into. And so, therefore, I'm going young on the age side. If she is ageless, I'm guessing she's maybe mid sixties, and then she's going for like, oh, I want to say like a. 30s-ish to a 70s Oh, I'm getting a head nod from our mystery <laughs> guest. Mystery guest, would you would you like to weigh in? 35 to 70 was my guess. I, I was going to say 35, but I was like, eh, is that too old? I don't know. Well, I'm I'm happy because you guys have something in common. You're both you're both wrong. Okay? She <laughs> her age range is 75 to 95. Wow. Wow. Can you believe the world we're living in where somebody is 
putting out an ad for a 95-year-old person? So, so it's odd to cut it off at 95. <laughs> you know, at that point, there's not much range left. Like, it should just say 75 and up. And up. But I think that I think she put the 95 because she's like, no, really, guys, I will go that old. Yeah. 75 plus, you're like, mm, give it five, 10 years. But 95. Man, this is I really like this section. I know why you went to the back. I was looking into um, I, I'm, I'm going to visit my parents in Virginia and I was looking at zip lining companies because Cassie yeah. wanted to, not because me. And um, <laughs> both of the like main companies age range said from three to 103 you know it's like a little like jokey joke um but i was like (laughs) oh that means you could like literally just hang there as a sack of potatoes (laughs) and be fine i think just a bag of skin but uh yeah neither the zipline company said anything about um artists that they enjoy so um Mm. damn thank you so much for for being able to read um no no reason to be nervous well, I actually, I am nervous today um, because, well, let me introduce our guest and then I'll say why I'm nervous. But, you know, you've had you've had all these brilliant guests on, all Harvard graduates. And so I feel like you've been mm. carrying the weight of the podcast and it's and it's I feel it on my shoulders. Mm, mm-hmm. And so it was like, I need to invite a guest on and they need to be a Harvard graduate. Our guest is about to leave. He's about to leave. Well, no, <laughs> I mean, and it turns out it turns out that today's guest is a Harvard graduate. Here he is, and he's been here the whole time, Jason Siegel. Oh! Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey. Happy, to, happy to meet you and see you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and I say that you're technically a Harvard graduate because... I went to Harvard Westlake High School. Yeah. yeah. Yep. There we go. Big time school. That's an intense high school. It's really, really intense. It's like super driven towards what college you go to. It's almost singularly focused on that. And when I graduated, I like really fucked up their matriculation rate because I was the first kid in a long time not to go to college. And in my, yeah, and in my paper, they, they list where everyone's going to college at the end of the year. It's like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And next to mine, they wrote, I'm not making this up. They wrote Jason Siegel School of Hard Knocks. Oh, shit. Yeah, they like kicked my ass on the way out the door. Yeah, exactly. They're like, get used to this. How did your parents feel about that? They were fine. You know, it's actually uh, interesting that I'm coming on now because you you guys talk a lot about high school, you know? Yeah. Um, This right now, we just did a uh, like a weird living memorial. But my high school acting coach has been diagnosed with a terminal illness. And oh, so, sorry. yeah, well, thanks. Uh, he really changed my life. Um, but he just did a living memorial on Sunday where everyone came and celebrated his life with him sitting there. And it was hugely moving. But that guy changed my life. Um, so I was doing like secret shame acting. I was a high school athlete. <laughs> And then I was like, <laughs> okay, Jason, I pulled up your Wikipedia page. So I know like supposedly what your nickname was in high oh, school yeah. uh, that I don't know if is true, but uh, Do- Dr. Dunk. Dr. Dunk. Yeah. Dr. Dunk. Hey, we have had a lot of expert doctor experts on That's the show. True. So Dr. <gasps> Dunk, right. welcome yeah. to the show. Dr. Dunk. Okay. So you were an athlete, Dr. Dunk. But uh, yeah. also secret acting. 
Oh I will tell God. you about Dr. Dunn because I get really embarrassed. But my, you know, remember at the fair? Remember at the fair when you could embroider stuff with like a name on it? You know, you could like yeah. do a hat and it would write on it in cursive. Sure. So the newspaper called me Dr. Dunk because I had a particularly nice game or something. Or something. And uh, my dad loved the nickname Dr. Dunk. So he went and got me this hat with Dr. Dunk embroidered. But because it was cur- cursive and the guy wasn't that good, it, it looked like Dr. Dirk. And so... <laughs> I, I would wear the hat around also the cool. yeah. to my dad, but everyone thought I was wearing a Dr. Dirk hat. So I had like <laughs> kind of a branch off nickname. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, I was doing like shame acting at night. And, I have um, never can you, heard can that you expression, elaborate? by the yeah, way. Yeah, like were you, was this like a, another like theater group you were in? Were you like in your bedroom alone acting? Like what, what happened at night that it was shame acting? <laughs> well, it's funny you say that. Like, so this is a whole other thing, but. I like uh, came of age right when Final Cut Pro got released mm-hmm. on uh, on the Mac, and you could really make stuff at home. But I had no acting friends because I was shame acting, and uh, <laughs> but I had a bunch of puppets. I like loved puppets <laughs> since oh. I was young. Wait, how are how are you visibly a puppet guy, but like shamefully an acting oh, guy? I, was I don't understand a that. Puppet guy too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. okay, he's not telling anyone about no, that. No, the puppets are all secret too. But so I started writing like little short plays, and but I didn't yeah. have any friends to do them with, so I would do them with the puppets, and I would like learn to um, use the camera. I, and did you have here. voices? For these? Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I would do them with no voice, and then I would loop the voices in after. This is where the Dracula oh. musical came from. Yeah, from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. But anyway, so my shame acting at school was I would go by the theater and I would pick a play off the, um, like the bookshelf, and then I mm-hmm. would rehearse them and kind of like put them on in this little black box theater with my acting coach, um, like little wow. small plays. Yeah. And um, so one day he was like, we should, you're good at this. We should try something a little bit harder. And he gave me this play called The Zoo Story by Edward Albee. And uh, so we rehearsed, we rehearsed and we put it on. And like a week later, my parents sat me down and they said, hey, you got to decide if uh, if you would like to be like a professional actor because Ted, my acting coach, Ted Walsh, had secretly invited the president of Paramount Pictures to come to the, yeah, it's some real LA shit, but to come, (laughs) (laughs) to come to the the play. And he didn't tell me because he didn't want me to be nervous. Smart. And, uh, and my life changed at that moment. So like, I kind of, my, my whole life is built on the like act of this one guy who's now, who's now passing away. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is an incredible story. That's pretty cool. Were these one man shows or? Did your acting coach make other people act with you? <laughs> he made other people act with me. Yeah. And someone at his memorial just told me they were super resentful because, like, I had Ted, Ted's attention and everyone wanted uh, everyone wanted the light of Ted Walsh shined on them. And they were like – and then he brought in this athlete to come do plays. And, like, we we would talk so much shit about you. But yeah, it, it was pretty. It was pretty special. You're like, I hate that. Hate that guy. That's yeah, so Dr. Awesome. Dirk. I hate fucking Dr. Dirk. <laughs> <laughs> so then, when you when you had your debut at school, then everyone knew that you were an actor, right? So, was there some fallout with the basketball team or with other jocks at the school? I think they were all fine. You know, like 
my my school was so weird. Everybody was, it, it was great. I mean, there was so much opportunity, but everybody was, like you said, just like super focused on mm-hmm. academics there. But the basketball team was fine. They went on, they won another state championship. I won a state championship right before I quit. But it was great. No big deal. No big deal. <laughs> so yeah. wait, Nate, Nagin, how do you, you know Harvard Westlake? Because the only reason yes. I know Harvard Westlake is because my cousin grew up in LA and she went to, Archer School for Girls. And I remember as a kid, she would like, she wouldn't talk shit about the Harvard Westlake people, but like I knew living in North Carolina that there Mm. were these private schools in LA and I kind of like had the vibe for things. Yeah. And um, I didn't realize, Jason, that you went, obviously, until I, I Googled it, but I texted my cousin this morning without any context to ask her for the first time in like, you know, 20 plus years, like, how would you describe Harvard Westlake or a Harvard Westlake kid expecting her to be like, ah, oh, fuck those guys, you know? Um, and she just said very type A. That's the very first thing she said was very type A, oh. which I feel like is a very like <laughs> nice thing to say. I mean, as a type A person, it's a very nice <laughs> thing to say about someone. But yeah. Uh, that only comes with age, though. Like, you don't call someone That's type true. A in high school. You call no, them was, yeah. So, exactly. And because I was like, well, how would you describe them in high school? Because I was like, let me, like, give me the dirt so I can quote yeah. something really good. But um, she didn't give me any any dirt. So, yeah, how do I you I can know give about you some it? dirt. Yeah. So, I went to college with people that went to Harvard-Westlake. They were all okay. smart, intense, hardworking. I don't really have anything bad to say about them. But I went to a high school camp uh, one year and there were Harvard Westlake kids there and they were the ones doing the sex and the drugs. <gasps> yeah. They were doing sex? They were doing sex. Yeah. So I was like, wow, you can be academically gifted and sexually and active. And do sex. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously we're going, we want to dive into mostly your your high school experience, okay. Jason. But for the people who who are listening, for our friends who are listening that don't, that have no idea why you're all of a sudden <laughs> on the show, yeah. um, for some context, you're, you're a mythical beast, at least to an extent. I have the dolls. I have the stuffed animals, the stuffed dolls of Rhett and Link. Yeah, you're, oh. you're a mythical society member. Um, yeah. You slid into our DMs with um, like a very cool message uh, that I dug up, particularly for this intro that um, just said in all caps, you and the guys are my favorite, which I think is slick. Oh. I think it's like slick and cool. That's really nice. And then I re- responded with something about that, like, I guess that day I had like a butt chugging bit in the show that didn't go well, <laughs> yeah. which I don't at this point don't even remember what that was, even though that was over a year ago. But um, so that's the context of uh, how we became text buddies and uh and why you even agreed mm. to join us today. Yeah, I think the show is very special, uh, if I can talk about it for a minute. I'll tell you why. And by the show, you mean Good Mythical Morning, but yes, yeah, continue. And this as well, this as well. But okay. yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I actually, I mean, I, I told you, I actually find the podcast very moving. Um, yeah. Yeah, high school is such a vulnerable time. And also there were mm-hmm. some episodes early on when you were talking about coming out that like, I relate to, I think everybody can relate to having some fear about who you fundamentally are is something that I just think is a very vulnerable, uh, it's like a very vulnerable place to live. I've had it. Mm-hmm. I know everyone who I think is interesting has had that. Like, yeah. um, what will people think if they get to see the insides of me? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, acting is sort of like that on a daily basis, like, or writing too, anything artistic, you're kind of saying like, Hey, here's the inside of me. Do you think it's beautiful? That's a kind yeah. of that's yeah. a vulnerable, vulnerable thing. But, um, I think that the way we start our day each morning really impacts what life feels like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm really conscious of it. And, um, and the news was like really, I mean, we all went through it. It was, it was driving everybody insane. It's still yeah. driving people insane. Yeah. Uh, I was making a show and I just needed to not feel that way. And so I switched over to Mr. Rogers in the morning. And wow. yeah, and I would watch Mr. Rogers every morning before going to do this thing. And it, it like filled me with childlike wonder. And then I ran out of Mr. Rogers episodes. <laughs> Daniel Tiger, Daniel yeah. Tiger, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I have a stuffed animal, Daniel Lyon. And so then I stumbled upon Good Mythical Morning and it was the same feeling. I would launch out into the, I get up very early when I'm working because I like to show up awake and I would launch out into the world feeling like life is nice and good and playful. Wow. And uh, I think playful is a really big part of it. Like mm-hmm. we're supposed to be enjoying all this shit. You know, it's really easy to forget that. I'm now you're making me cry. <laughs> uh, I really love that. I also wonder if you Googled like what is on YouTube that is like Mr. Rogers, because <laughs> honestly, yeah, maybe, maybe good mythical morning would pop up. I think that's like, yeah, it's something that we honestly that we talk about all the time. And yesterday, even I was on a on a call and um, I can't remember what someone asked me, but it, it was essentially like what. Like, what would be the ideal future for Mythical? And I, I was harping on how important it is to me that what you said, like, w- what is on the inside is reflected to the outside because that's how we form our community. So, like, how important it is for me to make sure that the Mythical crew is the healthiest and happiest so that behind the scenes, that's what they're pouring into the show and Mm. that's what's coming out on the other side. And so I do think that's like a lot of the magic that we have is that kind of transparency and authenticity between, you know, what's off screen and what's being projected on screen and and how people feel about it. So that means a lot. I really uh, appreciate you saying that. And I, I totally agree. Yeah. Well, I mean it. I think that one of the things like the misconceptions, sorry, you probably won't talk about high school, but I think one of the misconceptions <laughs> that you have when you make stuff, especially when you start to get successful, is that you're doing it, that it's it's like you're manifesting mm. it from your brain. But I don't think that that's the case. I think that what you're performing is like a sort of transmutation and what you're putting in becomes what you put out. I mean, yeah. mm. I'm not the first mm. to say that. But so you need to be, as the maker also, you need to be putting in stuff that feels similar to what you want to put out or at least yeah. in the same world that it can be it can yeah. be turned into that, you know? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, which uh, I think brings me to the next thing I Googled about you, which is Uh-oh. when I Googled. And I didn't do a lot of Googling because we had a dating expert on who said, don't stalk whoever you're dating before. Not that this is a date, but, you know, I just I didn't want to, like, get too deep. But yeah. I did think it was really funny when I Googled the Harvard Westlake thing. I don't know what it's called, but you know how Google has like that little like they have like a quick guide, like top part that just yeah. like gives mm-hmm. you like a partial answer situation. Yeah, It said like it popped up Harvard Westlake. And I guess it's because like there's a Wikipedia page or something. And then the other thing that popped up was Hebrew school. 
but yeah. like as a like thing where there is a logo that obviously like some 12 year old kid has drawn <laughs> that looks like a 90s like page out of a like notebook journal that says shalom and then it says hebrew school <laughs> and so i was thinking to myself like oh is this like a specific Hebrew school that he's gone to? But no, it's just like the general like Hebrew school Wikipedia <laughs> page has this awesome fucking hand-drawn yeah. uh, logo wow. going on. Um, but yeah, give us a little give us a little bit of Hebrew school because um, I myself have some Hebrew school. But I want to know, like, are we talking like an hour on the weekends situation? No. Could you, were you like raised Jewish? Like what's the, yeah. Uh, my friend always makes fun of me. Uh, I have a friend who I'm super, super close with, and we talk about like what defined us, you know, how we became who we are. And he always makes fun of me because I, I believe that this like really created who I am. So I have a Jewish father and a Christian mother, and they made the, um, at the time, what I think felt like a really um, progressive decision on their part. Uh, we're we're going to let him decide what he wants to be. <laughs> His religion? Oh. Yeah. So, so the way they did that was to provide like sort of an equal education. So I was going to Christian school during the day, St. <laughs> Matthew's, and then Hebrew school at night, Hill of Israel. Wow. And they were walking distance. So I walked from Christian school to Jewish school. And what a parent doesn't realize is that that just makes you the Jewish kid at Christian school and the Christian kid oh, at Jewish school. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, how that, that's how that goes down. And so I would do that. And it was fine because I'm like kind of a I'm kind of an odd guy anyway. And I didn't I didn't mind being the outsider. I kind of like adopted that identity. Mm-hmm. It was it, that was mm-hmm. that was cool with me. But the fateful moment where I think I became funny is <laughs> <laughs> the the prefect or not I forget his name, the guy who ran the Christian school. When I turned 13. I invited everybody to my bar mitzvah, you know, oh, at, yeah. at the Christian school. <laughs> at the Christian uh-huh. school. And, yep, uh, and I love it. Yeah. And so he took me aside and he said, Jason, everyone is very excited about your party, but <laughs> the kids don't know what a bar mitzvah is. So we were thinking at the all school assembly on Monday, oh. you could get up in front of the school and explain what a bar mitzvah is. Huh. So then you cut to little Jason Siegel. <laughs> On Saturday, I become a man. <laughs> Which is, like, it is truly in the movie a direct cut to getting punched in the face. <laughs> oh wow. God. Did you have did you have a Hebrew name? Because we've discussed yeah, Stevie's Shulamit. How yeah. was yours? Mine's Shlomo. Shlomo! <laughs> You're like brothers and sisters with that name, Shlomo and Shulami. Yeah. I love it. I also yeah. feel like there is a little Jim Henson with the name Shlomo. Yeah, for sure. I also was really into stand-up comedy at the time. I'm a bit older than you guys. I'm 42. I don't know how old you guys okay. are. But um, we'll, we'll leave it. We'll leave it. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, 34, 30, 34 35. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So uh, I was in the era of like stand-up comics where wearing like oversized suits. You know? Oh, yeah, the Steve Harvey suit. Yes, kinda. yeah. And so yeah. to my bar mitzvah, I wore this, like, oversized <laughs> talking heads, purple. It was a purple sport coat and <laughs> mustard pants. Oh, my <laughs> yeah. God. Uh, I was Did you cool. have any kind of, um? you remember when those sure, liners yes. were really? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I was going to say, you remember when those, like, blazer liners were popular? I don't know what that is. That? Okay, okay. So my dad, like— Inside of a blazer. Which mm. I, I have a very good bat mitzvah photo of me on my phone that I don't know what I'm saving for. But my dad, <laughs> I remember for my bat mitzvah, had— I don't remember, like, how long this period of time lasted, but there was, like, a craze with men's blazers where the inside, uh, not stitching, but fabric, there's, like, you could, you put, like, fun, jokey fabric in there, so it's, like, you know, serious blazer on the outside and then, like, (laughs) dad joke on the inside, and I remember my dad, like, so fucking stoked for, like, these blazers that had, like, (laughs) you know, fun inside. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they weren't, they weren't purple or yellow. You kind of wore the the fun on the outside. Would you say you got your sense of style from, from the Christian side or the Jewish (laughs) side? (laughs) I mean, honestly, I definitely got it from the black stand-up comedian side. Like, that was totally my wheelhouse. That was where I was focused at the time. I also, like, I, I had a growth spurt really young. So I was 6'4 since I was 12. Oh, my God. Whoa. Yeah. And Is it, that the, how tall you are now? Yeah. And, and, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and kids, kids used to stand around me. Did you just keep me. going? No, thank God it stopped. <laughs> but kids would stand around me in a circle at the Christian school, and one by one, they would jump on my back, and the other kids would, would chant, ride the oath, ride the oh. oath. It's better than ride the Jew, I guess. Yeah, but it's yes. pretty damn close. No, it's pretty but that's close. what they were saying. Let's be honest. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's oh, yeah. My goodness. Um, so wow. at what point did you like make your, or did you ever <laughs> like make a decision? Yeah, like you just went, you we went to both and then kind of never landed with the, you know, I choose X uh, situation or. Oh my gosh, Jason looks like he's still choosing. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, it's just like such a, it's a whole podcast conversation, but I feel as though, I feel as though it was actually, in retrospect, the most beneficial thing ever because everyone was sort of saying uh, very, very similar tenets and Mm -hmm. really similar ideals, but there was some crazy fear about mentioning each other. Yeah. Like at the okay. at the Hebrew school, I'm like, you're, we're not going to even talk about Jesus. I'm learning a whole bunch about him over there. It seems like please important. tell me you actually said that. I did, did not. You? No, <laughs> okay. no, I did not. Um, and the same thing at Christian school, we didn't talk very much about the the Old Testament. You know, I have a question. Question about Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's Sophia Franklin, and if you don't already know, listen up. My mini-series is live now each and every Monday, and the only person missing is you. We're dating, we're dumping, we're learning, and we're tapping into all the feels that originally brought us together. Listen and follow Sophia with an F on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so you, Dr. Dirk, played uh, basketball. You won a couple of championships, or, or at least you were there for a couple, or you won I won one that? of them, and then okay. I left, and then they, they won another one, yeah. And how did you, did you just get into basketball because you were tall, and they were like, oh, tall kid. No, o- older brother who I idolized. Oh, you have siblings. Yeah, I have an older brother and a younger sister, both of whom are incredible. But my older brother growing up, uh, I, lo- I mean, still, I properly idolize and I wanted to be just mm. like him and 
So I, the shame acting started early. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't have many friends during that uh, dual education yeah. period. And so my parents enrolled me in this uh, place called the Santa Monica Playhouse, which had this, these classes for kids. And when you're learning acting at that age or enrolled, it's not because you like love acting. You're too young. It's because your parents know you don't have any friends. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's you and the smelly kid and like the kid with a lisp. Like, you know, you're all in there trying to, yeah. trying to figure it all out. But I, I actually loved it. But the whole time, like, I really wanted my brother's attention, and so yeah, uh, okay. I started playing. I started playing basketball with him. And how much older? He's five years older, and my sister's five years younger. Yeah, I'm right smack in the middle. Is he super tall like you are? He's like six. He's six two. He's a he's a big big guy. Okay, so you won he's, is what you're saying. <laughs> he, my brother's way tougher than me. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm, you I'm just like, mean like physically? He's, he's I'm, I'm a gentle guy. My brother is like a, a proper athlete. A disciplinarian. Yeah, I don't. I just want. I just want everyone to have a real nice time. <laughs> well, that is the middle child in you. I am also a middle child. Did you have to like negotiate deals amongst your family members? Negotiate deals. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, and I, and I think just in in general, parents learn so much after the first kid that I was left a little. I was I was left more alone than I think my brother was, and you know. Mm. Yeah, and I was also like, uh, I'm a little Wednesday Adams, you know, like. Oh, uh, hell yeah. I can see that about you. You just yeah. like you, you, you just look yeah. like Wednesday. He's got Adams. the killer in him. Yeah. He's got the killer. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I love Dracula since I was a kid, and things that were a little bit spooky, and that kind of Tim Burton energy is like what uh-huh. I always have made me feel so alive. When I was young, like this is the kind of kid I was. This will sum it up. Every year for my birthday. I had my parents take me to Disneyland, but I didn't ride any of the rides. I would pick a, one of the lands and then I would dress that way. And oh. then so I would like spend all day like patrolling Frontierland. <laughs> and I would like go into the saloon and like order a sarsaparilla. And they'd be like, we got Coke and Sprite, kid. Like, please stop ordering sarsaparilla. You were a super fan. I'm, I'm I just like I like make believe. Wait, were were you um also scared of the rides, or you just you just specifically only wanted to live in the world? You were definitely tall enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember being a little scared of haunted mansion. I ran off of the elevator once when I was young. Um, but I I I think I liked more like the transformative kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. So so back to this brother of yours is was yeah. he like? Mr. Popular? Was he just Mr. Sports Guy? Like, how did you, you, you thought that like you, in order to be like him, you had to play basketball. Is that because he was Mm -hmm. specifically playing basketball and he was great at it? Or like, what did you want to emulate about him that set you in that direction? I think I wanted to spend time with him and he was big on, uh, like, I don't know how much basketball culture, you know, but like he was really big on pickup games. And so he would, he had I know what a pickup game is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so he had different games. Yeah. He had different games in different parts of the city on different days. And so Whoa. we would, yeah, we would like on weekends, we would go to them Saturday morning. There was a game at the, um, this church down the way. And then sometimes we would go to the park, uh, the synagogue. Town. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, uh, it was, it was honestly, it was like a way to, it was a way to just roll around with my bro. So yeah. when did you, um, start playing? Did you, 
in middle school or? So I was probably like 11, 12 years old and I was terrible at it. And then I like slowly got better and then I could jump pretty high. So I became Dr. Dirk, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you have any like, were you known in high school as the sports guy? No. Or did you have like a high school superlative that was given? I was kind of emo. I was kind of like, okay. uh, yeah, in oh, an athletic kid's body. So I you was like, to be yeah, so I bad. was like rolled with the basketball team, but then I would like, it was really pretentious, honest to God. I would like do paintings during lunch. Like I would sit at a table and do a painting <laughs> and then I would do a play. And then I was pretty good at academics. So I could, you know, I could kind of drift. I, I could drift pretty well between, between yeah. the groups. Yeah. Okay. This leads into the next theme like let's talk about high school romance because that sounds hot mm-hmm. i'm gonna say mm-hmm. it like that's but you but harvard it, harvard westlake is broken up into boys school school girl school or i no? was okay. the first i was the first co-ed class yeah oh wow oh. okay so what was going on there like if you if you go back to that time period i mean nagin said all all the kids were having sex and doing drugs but like let's talk about <laughs> maybe like your f- friend group like were you dating in high school was that something that was happening yeah a little bit i was a year younger than everybody because i'd skipped a grade when i was younger so i was wow okay so we gotta give a moment that. to that all right <laughs> I'm sorry, Very the kid impressive. who was athletic, painting during lunch, and also skipped a grade. Um, but yeah, it was okay. all it was all so self aware, though. You know, it wasn't with the it wasn't with the with the casual kind of yeah, yeah, way yeah. you want to approach it. I, I was one step away from like wearing a beret when I did the painting. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it was. I knew what I knew what I was doing. I hadn't. Okay. I hadn't, it wasn't casual enough yet, but. Um, yeah, so I was I was like a year younger, which I think you could maybe feel a little bit like my braces stayed on one year one year uh-huh. longer than everybody. I couldn't drive. I think I feel like driving oh. is the big threshold yeah. into sex, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once you can like drive, we know you yeah, can we're drive. Like, uh-huh, yeah. Well, yeah. you're not mobile. You know, like yeah. until you're mobile, you're kind of yeah. it's tough. But yeah, I dated a little bit. Um, I was probably too emo there, like talking about my feelings and all this stuff. And <laughs> I don't think that's what anyone was looking for at that age, really. Right. You know? Was this a um, a school dance type of school? Did or was that not cool? Or there were school dances, but there were more. My recollection is there were more house parties. It was like a, it was okay. a house party culture, and also. Like you said, it was kind of a fancy pants LA school. So there were very like nice houses and parents yeah, would go yeah. out of town and then there would there would be like some big party and uh it was a lot it, it really was a lot like those teen movies is is my uh, my recollection man. of it. Yeah. My favorite time period for movies, which I've said before is 1999 to 2001 it's a very short window but i feel yeah. like that's when all the like great like 10 things i hate about you she's all yeah. that like all, all that time period which i also i mean on your wikipedia can't hardly wait you were in yeah, can't was, hardly wait that was that my your first, first my first movie first oh thing? it was my second movie my first movie was a uh, a worse one called dead man on campus a worse one <laughs> yeah <laughs> I can't even hey, remember. Hey, it the was plot your first. Yeah, I, I don't I think I've kid. seen that one. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I was just a little boy. But uh, then came Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah. Uh, which I think is like a call favorite. I yeah. love Can't Hardly Wait. For some reason, I feel like they syndicated that movie on cable like 
every single day for years for a period of time. And it was the only one where I when I actually had cable and I would turn on the TV. If it was on, I'd sit and I'd watch the rest of it. Because also, like, so many awesome cameos in that. Well, I guess not cameos, but, like, you know, so many people in that movie who maybe it was their first thing or, like, they weren't well-known and then, you know, they became mm. well-known. It's 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 honestly crazy. Like, yeah. Tell, tell us about that experience. Because it's somewhat high school related. Sorry. It is. No, of course. Uh, I remember I played a character called Watermelon Guy. I remember thinking, <laughs> I remember thinking you a little bit. You and nicknames. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like she saw me, the casting director saw me in <laughs> Edward Albee's The Zoo Story. This seems... Like an odd next move. <laughs> <laughs> you got to start somewhere. But I do remember uh, both Dead Man on Campus and Can't Hardly Wait. My parents still make fun of me because I called them from set and they're like, how, how is it? I was such a teenage boy. I was like, you're not going to believe it. They've got for lunch. Your like, voice was so much deeper yeah. too. <laughs> Back then. I was like, they've got, they've got steak. And chicken and vegetables, and you can just go through and get as much as you want, and you can like keep going back. You only get an hour, but you can like get as much as you want. Oh my god, oh, that is pretty exciting. Yeah, that was really that. cute. Yeah, well, you came you came from humble beginnings, so yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you didn't have steak where you came from. No, no, no steak in Pacific Palisades. I was in the rough streets of the Palisades. My senior year, I had to miss because I was acting. And the one thing that I do look at, and I was like, "Oh, this is this. This was like a badass thing. Nothing was digital yet, you know. Like mm-hmm. the world was still analog." And uh, I got a, I got a movie called SLC Punk, and it was like mm-hmm. my first cool movie. I, I think I've seen. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I've seen. it was. What about, is it about? It's about the punk scene in Salt Lake City in 1985. It was like my first independent film, and it felt like cool. And I was doing some real acting in it. But I was only um, 17 years old. So I went downtown. I got a fake ID. You're like oh. looking over your shoulder <laughs> as if someone's going to walk into your room. Yeah. And <laughs> all my fake books filled with jelly beans. <laughs> anyway, I did that entire movie on a fake ID. Like Under all my age. W2, yeah, all my wow. W2 forms and everything. And I felt Damn. really cool. That yeah. Did your parents badass. drive you to the to yeah. this place? Yeah. No. no, they didn't. That's but, so cool. Yeah, it was pretty well, cool. Speaking of your parents, they seem very progressive. Like they gave you many opportunities to yeah. be like an independent thinker. And I'm always curious if about parents and like how strict they are with with kids when you're growing up. So was what was your experience like with your parents? Were you ever sneaking out? Were you ever getting into trouble? I wasn't much of a troublemaker. Uh, my parents really, I have to say, like, I have the greatest parents. Everyone's got their mm. shit, you know what I mean? But my parents, yeah. like, really, when I look back, you know, something interesting happens. At some point, you reach the age that your parents were when they had you. Yeah, yeah. And you are you have a new perspective, like, yeah. oh, they were just this age. Yeah, yeah. All of these things that I viewed, like, how could they have done that? How could they have done mm-hmm. that? Oh, I almost blew up my face in the pizza oven last night. Like, <laughs> I'm a fucking mess. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. You reach the age where you see your parents as, like, 
a peer a- adult as, as yeah, yeah as people versus as you know just parents and it's really yeah. weird or and or like because there's been such a shift in like when people have kids like I think my mom had me when she was 28 which I was like later for the time period in North Carolina like that that is crazy to think about mm. just like at you know at that age having having kids having life having kids life is, to another yeah i can't i cannot imagine it oh my god so much i'm still figuring out you know and so it, it yeah. i think if you're a thoughtful person like frees you of any resentments that you may be holding on to hopefully mm-hmm. uh but my parents were really great they just want they really do just want us to be happy and they kind of encouraged us they provided any resource for any direction we wanted to go in My mom said something to me when I left to go do acting, which at the time I thought was really cool. And now I think maybe was a little bit much. She said, uh, (laughs) she said, never forget the person you are in this world is a reflection of the job I did as a mother. Oh, my God. (laughs) The pressure. The pressure. (laughs) And listen, you've never forgotten it. I haven't. And And I didn't realize like, oh, that's why I'm so feel so guilty all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but listen, she did a good job. I she mean, did a, thank so you. I appreciate uh, Thank you, Mrs. Siegel, for, yeah. Yeah. for making sure he arrived on time today. Yeah, yeah. we'll shoot a little <laughs> thank you note over there. You know what? Let me tell you. Let me give some uh, props to my mom. So let me tell you, I feel like I am a product of uh, a decision made by my mom. Uh, like you said, a different era. My mom uh, was a secretary at my dad's law firm and mm-hmm. they fell in love. My dad, uh, my brother was my half brother. So my dad had him from a previous marriage. Mm-hmm. My mom started raising my brother at like 25, 26 years old. And okay. my mom was a super interesting, capable woman who applied those things to being a mom. But there, I think, was probably some version of a whole other life that could have been mm-hmm. lived, you know? Yeah. That she never talked about resentfully or anything like that. I mean, it's amazing what women do, you know. But when I was like maybe nine years old, my mom showed me Harold and Maude. When I was like, uh, you know, a little younger even, she had taped every episode of The Muppet Show and because it was no longer on the air and started showing me The Muppets because I think that she was like creating me in the image of what she didn't get to be. Yeah, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and so my oh gosh, I think the world is so interesting and uh, full of mystery and wonder and beauty, and and I think that my mom like incepted that in me. Yeah, yeah. right. So you are her favorite. It sounds. But, oh, by far, I'm, I'm both of their favorites. It could, yeah, it could be that, or it could be that, like, she's like, I don't know, there's, I need to entertain this kid somehow. Yeah. I bet I better start, I better start, yeah, taping all this shit. It was just a copy of Harold and Maude that came with the house. All that screen time, Jason, I don't know. We have so many, um, for some reason, we have so many, like, new dads on the Mythical crew right now, yeah. and I found out recently that they are, um, and I, I mean, I don't want to get them in trouble, but they have... I, I can't even recall the name of the show, but there's like a, a cool kids series that is out. And uh, somehow, be, yeah, of course, because we're, you know, we live in L.A., 
one of them has like a behind the scenes connection to someone involved with the show. Uh, so uh-huh. he has like the next season that's not out yet, like on a drive. And so wow. he is hooked up like the other dads in the office with the next season of this kid's show. And that's like what they talk about is wow. like, have you seen the newest episode of whatever, whatever? The unreleased season. of Yeah, whatever. yeah. Which I think That's is pretty amazing. cool. I mean, if you're yeah. going that far, um, you know, for your kids to have uh, this entertainment, if you're, you're if you're stealing, you know, media, <laughs> endorse it. It's not just kids. This is getting older stuff, man. I used to have the craziest stories, and now I will talk for like twenty minutes about a nice piece of salmon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we we were doing uh, we did quizzes recently, and one of the quizzes was like, "What's your fun type?" And we went through all these oh questions, and at the end, we both got low key fun, and it was like, "You enjoy gardening," and like, it's like oh, I you guess. say things like, "What was that?" You say things like, uh, "You don't need to have a drink to have fun." Yeah, yeah. So we're like, "Yep, we are one hundred percent there." Yeah. yeah. That's this. That's yeah. life now. It's pretty great, though. I like it. I got to say, like, I look back at my 20s, even my high school years, uh, you know, as uh, I'm really glad that I experienced a lot of those things, but I'm also really glad I made it through. Yeah. Mm. You, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Glad to be on the other side. Well, back to those house parties. So you were, you weren't like, you know, so isolated with your puppets that you didn't go to the house <laughs> parties and like, <laughs> and drink. Because like, Nagin and I were such, such good kids that we, you know, we, it, it was a dry period for us. It was dry yeah. sexually. Well, that was it like was fear dry, based, alcohol fear drugs. based socializing. Oh, yeah, right? for sure. We were afraid to do any of these things. Yeah. But I guess we also were in an environment back in North Carolina where, like, that wasn't like necessarily like the, the prevalent social scene by any means. Um, but given, you know, where you were and kind of how, how progressive your parents were, I'm assuming that like you were, exposed to that and participated in that at that age? I was exposed to it, but I didn't participate. I I didn't get drunk Hmm. until uh, I remember the first time I got drunk. It was on SLC Punk. So I was like kind of out of high school. I was still 17 years old and I got- 17, underage. I was was underage in Salt Lake City. How were you drinking there? I was in a movie. Like, you know, they'll sort sort you out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They have steak, they have chicken, they have alcohol. Okay, you fucked up. (laughs) No, so uh, that was the first time I got drunk. And then I didn't smoke weed until uh, a girlfriend when I was like 18, 19 years old. And then I went through a really long period of smoking a lot of weed. Mm, That that is so shocking, Jason. That's so unbelievable. Believable. <laughs> what the weed? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was a period of Jason Siegel um, when so I decided not to go to college to like do acting, and then I did those three movies, SLC Punk, and then there was a period of about a year before Freaks and Geeks, and during mm-hmm. that period, I was not going to college. I was just living at my parents' house, and I would like audition maybe once a week or something. You know, it's like slow goings. So I would just, uh, 
I would just rollerblade up and down, oh, up and down the Venice boardwalk, smoking, smoking pot, smoking pot. Yeah, all day, wow. all day, like eight, you were nine a fruit, hours a day. Fruit booter. I when was the last time you rollerbladed? <laughs> when, when, when did you? Because I, the last time I rollerbladed was when I rollerbladed into the side of a hill because I couldn't stop oh. myself any longer, and I was like, ah, I'm too old for this. But when was oh, the last no. time you? Did? I was really good at it. I could. I could, I could <laughs> great do, calves. Yeah, yeah, that was great. At it. Uh, but I do look at that period as what set up my audition for Freaks and Geeks because I was like properly, uh. I was a proper stoner by the time I went in for that <laughs> show. Okay, Freaks and Geeks, I, we should touch on it, I mean, just for a moment, because... That's high school, right? It's high school, and also, like, I will admit to being, you know, moderate, moderately obsessed with Freaks and Geeks for cool. a, a period of my life. I mean, I... I ha, I'm Honestly, how could you not be? Like, it was really, like, in, in my opinion, it was kind of like this perfect, isolated season of, like... You know, I think it was ahead of its time, even though it was it was a, a, a period piece. Um, but how was your how was your experience as an actual teenager, fairly new in the industry? You know, but being put into that position, also like I'm sure you've been asked a million times, but like you know, the whole you, you weren't really a freak or a geek in real life, but like. I don't know. Just uh, humor me and 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 sure. talk about that project because it's the best. Cool. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting this thing you said about uh, like perfectly perfectly encapsulated high school. I feel as though that's only for people who are uh, feel a certain way about themselves because one of the reasons the show got canceled was the head of the network at the time was like, <laughs> "This isn't what high school feels like. Where's all the victories?" Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. the this guy was right. like the captain of the fit football team. Yes, yeah. right, uh -huh. right. So it's interesting. Like, some people are having a whole other experience of life, you know? Mm. Yeah. It's like that line from As Good As It Gets when Jack Nicholson says, uh, some people are out having uh, their stories or picnics and, you know, but no one in this car. <laughs> you know, it's like... <laughs> I, I've yeah. always I've always wanted to be in, in the car. You know, that's, yeah. mm -hmm. that, that's my peeps. But um, yeah, so I think that it was one of the most special experiences of my life because it was like real acting. We were being called upon to make those scenes. We took it upon ourselves, like great. You know, they had to be funny. They had to be really truthful. They had to be honest. All of us had this naivety of youth. Like mm -hmm. no, nobody knew that this stuff was hard or even impossible. Making a TV show, we're like, mm -hmm. And so uh, the coolest thing about that experience was one, like starting to find out that you're good at something that you think you might be good at. You know, that's like a great feeling. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that I remember, which I've tried to do this day, but I end up kind of having to do it by myself, is every weekend, me, Seth, and Franco would get together at my apartment and do the scripts. We would rehearse them mm. together just alone okay. in our house so that when we yeah. went to film, we were like fucking ready. And I, would, I just remember thinking like, oh, this is just like, oh man, we stumbled into the coolest life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? 
Yeah. Totally. It, it all felt really, really, it all felt really special. I, I'm sure that there were things about it that were difficult, but it sure doesn't mm-hmm. feel that way when I remember it. I think you bring up a really good point that we talk about all the time over here is that like a lot of times if comedy doesn't have heart to it, then it feels very two dimensional. But the show did a great job of making sure that, you know, the kind of emotions of being a teenager and the awkwardness of being a teenager was in the forefront and comedy kind of supported all of that. And and yes, mm. it, it, it was very much about the acting, uh, about the writing, about the directing. There's just something, you know, so awesome about a show where you can watch it and involve. It's not a it's not a second screen type of show where you're like, you know, on your on your phone swiping through <laughs> social or whatever. And then the, you still have like the laugh out loud moments. And honestly, it, it really does hold up. It's one of those like comfort watch shows for me that I'll just, yeah. you know, oh, cool. flip to, uh, not flip to, but put on, <laughs> click on. Um, yeah. I don't know if you want to know my other comfort shows. Uh, I do. I, actually, I would. <laughs> She's like the bear. It's really yeah. relaxing. <laughs> bear. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's one thing that I, I I'm very conscious of now is like. I like, um, which maybe to a horrible extent, but I do like an escapist show where you mm-hmm. can really like, you know, go there versus a show yeah. that like gives me anxiety or like, you know, puts me in a bad place, which there's some really amazing shows out there that, um, you know, like like Dope Sick, for example, that's like, you know, so powerful. But like, I just find myself going like, oh, God, like I'm I have all this stress in my day. I can't bring myself to you know, you can't add to it. Through yeah. it. Yeah. So I find myself going back to some like, like <laughs> Gilmore Girls is a really big one. Yeah. For me. Yeah. It's a great one. I feel like the stuff that is starting to like cool me down has been finding like a reality show yeah. that's, that's calming. And oh, one yeah. of the best ones that I would recommend is Love on the Spectrum. Yes. Oh. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's about I love, love on the young spectrum. people who are on the autism spectrum looking for love. And I think it's one of the most purest depictions of like what we all want as as humans, which is love and acceptance. Yeah. yeah. And and these individuals are like they just say exactly what it is that we feel, yeah. but we put so many barriers up. There's no filter stuff. Yeah. There's no filter. I think it's one of the most That's my Mr. Rogers. Oh, I love that. You know, um, something keeps popping in my mind since you said that thing about comedy that maybe there's someone listening to the podcast who, who writes, you know, um, the best piece of advice I ever got from was from Judd Apatow um, after Freaks and Geeks. When we were first of all, you said you're a weird guy. You're only going to make it if you write your own material, which was, <laughs> <laughs> which was great, great and true advice. Yeah. He sat me down and said that he was like, listen, I want to talk to you. <laughs> You're a real, you're a real weird guy. <laughs> oh, God, that's actually wow. like such a fucking compliment. That's awesome. It is. Yeah. It's really sweet. But when I was, <laughs> when I was writing, um, forgetting Sarah Marshall, he said this thing to me that I think about all the time when I'm writing, he said, set out to write a drama. You, your brain is funny. The way you see the world is funny. I promise you it's going to end up funny. And if we need to add if we need to add jokes at the end, we'll go through and do a joke pass. But the way that you sustain somebody's interest is if you write a drama. Every great comedy is a drama. 
Um, and I think that that is really, really true. Everything I've written ends up funny, ends up having a funny point of view. And then it's true. You can go through a joke pass, like the easiest thing to do if you're funny. But um, like finding some fundamental truths, um, being really vulnerable, being willing to be mm-hmm. a little bit scared about what you're writing. Like, are people going to think this is dumb? That's yeah. um, there's that great David Bowie thing, advice to artists. Have you guys ever seen it? Is this about pushing boundaries? Yeah. If you just Google it, anyone listening, uh, David Bowie advice to artists, it's like a a minute and a half, two minutes long. But he says that whenever you're um, trying to do something uh, special, if you're repeating yourself or doing something that you think people will like, you're not doing anything that's going to be interesting. But walk a little farther out into the water where your feet are no longer touching the ground. And that's Mm -hmm. when things start to get interesting. I I mean, that that Judd advice is... So it's so straightforward and also means everything. <laughs> like yeah, that, that, that's, that's amazing. And I mean, speaking of, you know, not doing what people are expecting or, or from you or, or doing something for yourself. I did think that um, your show Dispatches from Elsewhere. Oh, thanks. You watched that. I did. I, I um, so we were texting about. I don't know how it came up, but but there was a place in Greensboro where we grew up. And again, I don't know if you That's remember right. this, but um, on Elm Street downtown, there was this uh, kind of like artist collective. And it was this old, almost like fabric store or junk shop that was a few stories in this this older building on Elm Street. And the woman who owned it, and this was like just packed to the gills with anything and everything Mm -hmm. and the woman who owned it passed it down to her grandchild and he stopped you know selling things out of this junk store and and said turned it into this artist collective so they went in and they with everything that was there they kind of organized it and made art and made this like living space that you could be in and in high school um art school boy and I would go and hang out there after school and they had all these old toys and like the people living there were just so fucking weird. And we would play like, you know, the like cheap laser tag through all the fabric. And like, you know, I remember that was that was one of the first times I think I'd ever like sipped a beer. We went onto the roof with all the artists and then you know, we had this amazing night one night where we went there really late and we didn't know if there, anyone was going to be there. And it wasn't a it wasn't a public place to go. But we knew like, OK, there's like fucked up artists living in here that will hang out with us. <laughs> and um, uh. they we knocked on the door and they let us in and um, we went and sat on the floor in one of the rooms and they were putting on a show like for no one. They were just putting on a show mm. for yeah. them. And yeah. I just remember being like, holy shit, like, this is so weird. Like, this is my jam. This is so weird. Yeah. yeah. And then when Jason and I were texting, you were kind of talking about this world. And I was like, God, this really reminds me of Elsewhere mm. in Greensboro. And then you were like, the show's called Dispatches from Elsewhere. And I was like, holy shit. Like, what yeah. are the chances? Just a coincidence. Because the yeah. world in that show, you know, at least the 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 part that resembles more of elsewhere in Greensboro, it, it really does. Like it really mm. looks like that place. Yeah, and Dispatches from Elsewhere is the show that I found Good Mythical Morning during. Hmm. That's oh, I was okay. I was waking I was waking up each morning um, trying this to feel crazy. a little mischievous. You know, Deepak Chopra said this thing once that the biggest 
uh, injustice we can do to ourselves are, is putting the words just a in front of coincidence. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That we find, we find a way not to want to believe like in the synchronicity the serend- of it all. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Are you an artist's way uh, guy? You, just, you, get, you gave me goosebumps uh, in the room. Yeah. That's, it is so weird. It yeah. really is so weird. Um, I'm, I am familiar with the artist's way, but I never got into it. I don't think I have quite the discipline. That, um, that's where you wake up and do the writing and all of that. Yeah. yeah. Julia Cameron's book. It's like for anyone that wants to get tap into their more creative side, you don't have to be a writer to do it. But one of the parts of it is you wake up every morning and you journal three pages, Yeah. no matter how long it takes. Um, and when I was able to do it, it was, man, I felt like on top of the world just because I had committed yes. right, to doing yeah. this thing. And good stuff comes by page two. Always sure. something good came by page two. Yeah, I, I really wish I had the discipline for that. I have a secret, which is that I hate writing. It's mm. something that I uh, am good at and that uh, is a very, like, one of the most important relationships I have in my life is to writing. And I just, mm. like, when I think of an idea, I try so hard not to write it. And then it keeps <laughs> nagging at me. And then I'm like, God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> now I have to write this fucking idea. It's it, because it is so, anyone who does it knows it is such an exercise in self-loathing. You're like, mm. it's just you versus the page. And so you're battling yeah. procrastination. Yeah. And then you're also battling that. Um, sometimes I talk to kids about writing and I tell them, like, before you rewrite anything, get to the end. Don't mm. look back on anything you've written until you get to the end because you're going to fucking hate it. Like it's, yeah. it's just so bad the first draft and you, yeah. that's okay. But man, oh yeah, the process, I guess, of like, there's so many drafts that you, you, you go through to rip apart what you've just like poured out onto the page. So not only do you hate it at the <laughs> yeah. end, then you like rip it apart so much. You're like, I don't remember what it was at the beginning, but I also kind of hate this as well, <laughs> but uh. yes, totally. You finish it something at night and you're like, oh god! I it. And then you read it in the morning. And you're like, you fuck, you piece I of shit. You. Yeah, I hate everything about you. Do you share? You. Are you protective about sharing your writing for that reason? Like you want to make sure you don't add to the haters? No, I get, I get to the end. I get to the end and I let myself feel real proud that I wrote the end because I think that there is a lot of people. LA is full of it in coffee shops with a half finished screenplay. And that screenplay will be half finished yeah. for their entire life. You know, like getting to the end is mm-hmm. such a big accomplishment. Um, and so I try to let myself feel proud of that. And then so, you like, I, it's a little like, uh, like a, a run or something like that, where you learn like, oh, there's going to be a part where I don't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I will bust through that and it'll be fine. That's sort of what I've learned. I have faith that then I'll go through it a few times and I'll end up being pretty good and, and can always yeah. throw it away. That part of the run for me is, um, is the before beginning. I start. Yeah. Starting. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm so glad this is um, audio because I can make exercise analogies. And no one's like, yeah, right. Little do we know you're like standing at a treadmill desk in your jumpsuit or something. Right, right. Beep, 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 Balancing totally. on a yoga ball. Yeah. Well, Speaking of run, we've taken up so much of your time. I really, really appreciate you coming on the show. And Dr. Dunk, this was great. Do- Dr. Dirk in the house. <laughs> how how was I as compared to all these all these Harvard uh, highfalutin bigwigs? Oh, that's what we talk about after you leave. <laughs> 
So you'll okay, have to cool. listen uh, to the show to, <laughs> to find out. So you'll, okay. it's fine. You won't have to hear it. All right, um, perfect. Uh, okay, thanks, Jason. Uh, and, this is uh, such we'll, a treat. Thank we'll you. We'll text soon. Thanks, guys. Man, that was so fun and nice. And I'm. it was oh, the first man. time that I've talked and not texted uh, with Jason for a whole year. And, and it was I, even it better, was right? It was even, I mean, you know what? I'm going to FaceTime him from now on. <laughs> <laughs> I hate, yes. you have anyone in your life that surprise, like not surprise, but like they'll give you a FaceTime call like as the first thing. There's no yeah. warning text. Yeah, that's me. I do that. Do you? I Ew. love doing that. I love I doing that. that. You don't have Why? to pick up. You can text back. I do that because I'm in the mood to see them. And I'm like, hmm, I'm thinking of you. And I just feel like seeing your face. Yeah, but I feel like I look disgusting like 98% of the time. You, you don't. Know? You look beautiful 99% of the time. And you're just, you need to work through that self-shame, girl. Do you have cameras? Do you have cameras? <laughs> How are you seeing me? <laughs> Logan helps me out. Oh, man. Speaking uh, – oh, God, I cannot stand my transitions. Of- we Anyway, awkward moment. I, I – Okay, so I guess I'll be keeping that in. <laughs> <laughs> I um, wanted to share an awkward moment that didn't happen recently, but it's an awkward moment that has stuck – in my mind. And I think it's something that other people may have experienced. Um, and it has to do with the workplace. So a few years ago, I was working at this university and we were in a really intense period uh, where we were making admissions decisions about the students that were that were applying. And when we're in that season, it's like you're working all week, all weekend, nights. It's, it's constant. Mm-hmm. And my boss was traveling at the time. And so we were doing a lot of the stuff by phone and we were talking, talking, talking. Okay. So-and-so I'll get that to you tomorrow. Send this other thing to me. Bye. Love you. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I said, I said, love you. Like I would say, love you to my husband. I said, love you. Like I would say to my mother, like I hung up and you hung up after you said love. So there was no there was no period of time for him, her? No, no, because it's like the him. It was like love you bye, ding. Like that's the that's the tempo. Love you die. <laughs> love you bye. Ding. Love you die. <laughs> bye. <laughs> love you die. And I hung up and I thought to myself, like, oh, okay. You caught it immediately. Yeah. As soon as I said it, as I was clicking off, I was like, I I said love you. But you didn't catch it soon enough to make a joke about it or something. Cause you, cause you would, right? Is that is that a relationship that you had with your boss at the time? Like, you're like, you, is this a relationship where you could have loved him? No, no. <laughs> is it a relationship where you could have joked? Like, is it a relationship totally. where you, you would have said love you and then been like, oh my god, that's so awkward. I can't believe I said that. Could have, could have. This person had and has a really good sense of humor, but it was just we were. It was like the lack of sleep. I wasn't in a jokey mood. We were in a like problem-solving, get-shit-done mood. And as I hung up, I was like, well, that was fucking weird. Like, (laughs) I've clearly been on the phone too long. So I didn't end up saying anything to him. We didn't talk about it. But I did contemplate like, hmm, I wonder if I should say something like, uh, next time I talk to you, like, no, I I don't love you. Or... (laughs) Or like, oh, that was so weird. I feel like he would have assumed that it was a mistake. Oh, no. But Wait, so I, you never talked happened? about it? You never talked about it? No. Nope. the choice you made? Yeah, we oh. never talked about it. It's just like, hmm. I didn't. 
I think maybe that was the more awkward choice out of it. Not the experience, but the but the choice not to talk about it afterwards. So you would talk about it, though? I think I would have to. But if, let's say you hung up the phone. Let's say, like, yeah. it wasn't, you didn't have that second to I would, say um, I think I would text. I would text something, like, I uh, just wanted to make you, make sure you heard that I love you. You know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> just, like, <laughs> double down on yeah. it, you know? I really want to make sure that there's... Um, there's like evidence um, <laughs> that I said what, it. No yeah. Thanks. What I've heard more often is like uh, towards me that I feel like is pretty telling about like people's relationships with other people. Like if you accidentally call me your wife's name or you call me oh, your yeah. mom. Um, uh-huh. And this is all it's all coming from men. Interesting. I tend to analyze like kind mm-hmm. of what that means. Yeah, have you heard this thing um, about, I mean, this is a gross generalization, but men basically see women in two different ways, their mother or someone they can sleep with. Those yeah. are the two categories. And so you got to quickly put yourself <laughs> in the maternal or the sexual. I will put myself in the no. And the no, but yeah, it is, it is like, especially the mom one is an interesting, it's interesting because there's a lot of people who like called, accidentally called their teacher's moms growing up, which, which, <laughs> you know, which yeah. kind of makes sense totally. to, to a great extent. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't think I've, I, I'm hard pressed to think if I've been in a love you situation. That's okay, but you gave good advice. It's text. It's some write yeah, something. Yeah, make a joke address out of it. it. It's obviously you are obviously tired. It's like something that you know you say often when you're hanging up the phone. Um, <laughs> and also the other thing that I think is kind of nice is that like you felt comfortable enough with this person to have that sign off because I I actually uh, think that it does say it I don't a lot. know. I don't know if that's what that meant. Oh, you didn't? No, the love you was not real. No, I know. I'm not saying that you actually loved them. I'm mm-hmm. just saying that like you weren't on like such high alert that like you <laughs> wouldn't have said that. So I actually think that it's nice because it shows like, okay, you had, you actually had a relationship with this oh, person. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and so, yeah, but I, I, my advice would be to like say something after say the fact so. and not just like leave it to linger. Cause you know, but then he maybe was, like, they would be offended. No, this guy's like a dad. Like he was like more I like know, a but father you don't figure think age. He, you, you don't think he hung up the phone and like turned to whoever he was with and was like, she said, I love you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, he for like, sure made fun of me. He for yeah, sure made fun of me. He for sure made fun of you. So I, my advice is to make fun of yourself before. But if you were comfortable with not talking about it, then you go, girl. <laughs> I mean, don't you think he could be offended, though, if I texted back and I was like, I don't actually love you. He'd be like, oh, oh. no, no, no. I didn't say to text that. I said to text. <laughs> I want to make sure you heard. <laughs> By the way, I have been nursing three drinks. Nursing. I've got a green smoothie. I've got a water. And I've mm-hmm. got an iced coffee. And let me Ooh. tell you, it's time to close this baby down. i got to go okay. to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Best Friends Back All Right. You can catch brand new episodes every Friday. Make sure to follow so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the podcast, leave us a review. You can follow at MythicalPods on TikTok for clips to share with family and friends. 
You can follow me everywhere at Nagin and Stevie everywhere at Stevie W. Levine. And of course, you can hear me every Monday through Friday on Good Mythical Morning with Rhett and Link at youtube.com slash goodmythicalmorning. I'll see you there. <laughs>